This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, my name is Steve. You're listening to Bible Toolbox on Radio Pulpit. This is part two of a section I called Royal Expectations, Royal Expectations. I started by <laughs> telling everybody the more, most boring parts of the New Testament as a child that I was exposed to. That was in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, the genealogy of Jesus. You know, all the names, so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so. And the point is this, if you read those genealogies very carefully, you'll find that from Abraham to David, both Matthew and Luke have exactly the same lineage. Jesus was born from the lineage of David, who became king, and his Solomon, his son, became king after him, and then Solomon's sons came kings after that and split Israel and Judah. So I think that there was something more going on than just the jealousy between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. I think they saw him as a real threat because Jesus was born in the city of David. When he entered Jerusalem on the the back of a colt, they were shouting, Hosanna in the highest. They had expectations. David did exactly the same thing when he was king. He rode into Jerusalem on the back of a colt. Hosanna in the highest, they were screaming. People were excited. They were seeing a king coming. So when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders finally arrested Jesus, they first accused him of blasphemy which is punishable by death in the Old Testament. There's only one little problem with that. The Romans had taken away the death penalty as punishment from the Jews. It could only be done by a Roman court. So they accused Jesus of blasphemy. Even the high priest tore his robes. Why do you want to hear this man blaspheme God? He claims to be God. Claims to be God. By the time they took him to Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the charge had changed. The charge had changed. They accused Jesus of treason, of treason. You read in John, when Jesus appears before Pilate, Pilate's question was, are you a king? Are you a king? That's the first question. Did Jesus ever claim to be king? In the whole New Testament, you don't hear him saying, I'm king. I'm the son of man. I'm I'm God's son. I'm sent by God. Some considered him a prophet. Someone considered him a great teacher. But king? No. Pilate says, are you a king? What did Jesus eventually answer to him? What did he say? John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus speaks, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Our kingdom is not from here. Now, I have a problem with this. I have a problem with this. Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Well, that's hard to raise an army to go and defeat. I think Pilate understood that straight away. But then Jesus qualifies this statement. He says, if it was of this world, people wanted to make me king, my servants would fight. Well, do you remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came and the high priests came? Peter drew his sword and cut off the ear of one of the servants called Malchus. So his servants did fight. Technically then, Jesus was guilty of treason right there and then. 
guilty of treason. Now, I'm absolutely sure the church, the the church, the the leaders of uh, the uh, the leaders of uh, scribes, the Pharisees, and and the leaders would have brought Malchus in front of them had there been evidence to prove yes, he was fighting. He was fighting. Now Peter wasn't a swordsman. Okay, this wasn't a little knife. This was a sword that he got from somewhere and struck out at the first person I think that he could see. Didn't He didn't attack a soldier because if he had attacked one of the soldiers, he would have been dead. So this was in panic. This was in panic. And he cut off the ear of Malchus. Now, wouldn't it be easy for the, for the religious leaders to bring Malchus into the court of Pilate and say, you see, you see what happens? He cut off this guy's ear. You know why they didn't? There was no evidence. Christ had cured or healed Malchus, put his ear back where it was. Now, let me tell you something. Have you ever, have you ever had a cut or something around your ear? Do you know how much it bleeds? It bleeds, soaks your clothes, soaks your hair, soaks your face, and blood is hard to get off when he dries. So when Jesus healed Malchus, it was a complete healing, not only of the ear, but all the blood as well. There was no evidence that anyone fought or wounded anybody else. It was done. It was done. Wow. Luke chapter 22 and verse 51, Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Touched the man's ear and healed him. Wow. So Jesus is standing in front of Pilate. Pilate has an obligation to the Roman Empire. He is the procurator, the governor of Judea. It's up to him to keep the peace. So he even went out to the scribes and the Pharisees and those standing around, the religious leaders, and he said to them, I can find no fault in him. I can't see anything wrong with this guy. You know, go, go and punish him according to your law. Well, we can't. We can't. We want him crucified. We want, they were screaming. We want him crucified. Pilate tried to make a deal. He was trapped. He was trapped because one of the statements that was made um, when Pilate came out was, we have no king but Caesar. There was the threat. There was the threat. Jerusalem was packed for the, for the Passover. It was packed. All the surrounding cities and towns were packed. It'd only take a little match to light a riot. Pilate had an obligation to keep the peace. Emperor Tiberius wanted peace in his empire. He, Pontius Pilate was selected as that man for Judea. I don't think Pilate was very happy about his post, but he was a Roman governor. He had served before, and now he was sent there to keep the peace. Keep the peace. So when Jesus was brought in front of him and the crowd started getting out of control, he made a deal. He made a deal. Well, let's, let's end this. Let's, let's cut to the chase. I'll tell you what. Since it is the Passover and it's a custom on the Passover, I will release a prisoner to you. And he chose Barabbas and Christ. Barabbas was an insurrectionist, a murderer, a thief, preyed upon his own people. So, for Pilate's point of view is, well, Jesus is what? Some kind of prophet guy, right? Some guy, some unknown from Nazareth? A carpenter's son. Come on. Him or Barabbas, an obvious criminal and a murderer. Who are you going to choose? Well, he thought there was no choice at all. 
they're going to say, no, you keep Barabbas. We don't want him among us again. The man cannot be controlled. But no, who did they choose? They chose Christ. No, we want him crucified. We want him crucified. Did Pilate know that Jesus was innocent? Oh, yeah. But he was there to keep the peace. He was there to keep the peace. It was obvious that the first time that he'd ever heard of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the religious leaders all agreeing on one topic without fighting each other was for the death of this man. Perhaps he thought to himself, well, you know, it's better for one person to die so that the peace can be maintained. We can carry on with our business. You guys can carry on with all the sacrifices in the temple and all that kind of thing. You can carry on with that, and everybody will be happy. And this was perpetuated in John chapter 11. This is the death sentence of Christ. John chapter 11. This is after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done, raising of Lazarus. So the chief priests and Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? This man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everybody will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people not that the whole nation should perish. That's John chapter 11, 46 onwards. And I think behind this, behind this was also this idea that they knew exactly who Jesus was. He came from the line of David. He was born in the, in the town of David. He entered Jerusalem on the back of a colt, and the people were waiting for a king, waiting for a king. So if this man Christ started a revolution to sit on the throne of David, they were finished. Not only them, but they knew enough about the Romans that the Romans were going to send their legions, which actually happened 30 years later in 66 AD when the Jews revolted. So this is Caiaphas was saying, hey, it's only one guy. It's just a guy. Who is he? He's nobody. He's got 12 guys following him around, fishermen and other people. I mean, who are they? Now, nobody. Nobody. Better one man to die. So to put this all to bed. So the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who were enemies together anyway, the Romans under, under Pontius Pilate, all conspired to have one man put to death, one man put to death who was not a criminal, was one-eyed criminal. But this man was a king. This man was born to be a king. He had the legitimate right to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. So if you read the New Testament from now, ask yourself this question. Who was Jesus? Savior, Redeemer, Messiah, High Priest, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and legitimate King of Israel on David's throne, a throne he never claimed or sat upon. In Matthew 28, 18, this is what the Bible says about him. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Do you believe this now? Like the disciples, we have to answer, to answer that, too. So who do you say he is? All of these things, including legitimate king of Jerusalem, of Israel, sitting on David's throne. But he sits on a greater throne in heaven next to his father on his right-hand side. I hope this is giving you an insight to who Jesus really is and what he means for your life. Thank you for listening. My name is Steve. 
This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.